Hello, everyone. I'm Shannon Torrance, and welcome to Magic is Real, a podcast focused on proof of afterlife, whose mission is to bring hope and inspiration to others and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. If these interviews resonate with you and you want to hear more like them, you can support the podcast by liking, subscribing, and sharing with like-minded friends. Thank you so much, and thank you for being a part of the Magic is Real family. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Thank you so much for being here and listening to Magic is Real. I'm Shannon Torrance, and I'm here today with my new friend, Tina <laughs> Anjali, who is a psychic medium. She's had several near-death experiences. She's an angel communicator. She's a channeler. She's written a book called We Are Angels and so much more. We're going to talk about so many things. But first, I just wanted to welcome you, Tina, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, Shannon, thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, now, please tell me if there is, I, I know that there are so many things that you do, but feel free to share anything I left out in terms of what your life looks like now, what sort of work you do, um, and that sort of thing. Well, I, uh, I changed my format to do uh when I do sessions with clients or, or groups, I, I do it with either Zoom or Google Meet, only online. Although uh, when it's warm outside from Connecticut, I have done outside by the either the waterfall or the, uh, the labyrinth. I've done sessions with people uh, in, in person. Yes, now Tina has a labyrinth on her property in Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut and it's, one of the most beautiful states, I think, in in the United States. And she commissioned, I think is what the word would be, uh, a labyrinth on her property. So that, and it's, I've seen pictures of it on her website and it's beautiful. Um, so now I want to talk about how, you know, obviously we're going to talk a lot about, you're going to talk about your near-death experiences and your angel communication and your psychic mediumship. But of course, I want to know, and I hope everyone else does too, how this all began for you. Because I know with you, you started having communications with guides and angels very young. I'd love for you to take us back to your childhood and tell me what your life was like. I know you're from Italy. Yes. Um, what your life was like and what your spiritual experiences were or your spiritual awareness was. Okay. Well, I remember uh, as far back as when I was two years old, and this is a very powerful experience because I remember that my one-year-old sister died of a childhood disease. And uh, it, it was interesting because for whatever reason, my parents were so engulfed in their, in their pain that they, um, they kind of abandoned me emotionally. And I have all that in my book. But, um, and so I don't remember how quickly, but just about the time when uh, she died, right after that, I remember a visitor that would come to me every night after my parents fell asleep. And she would just, it was a, a beautiful, I called her my beautiful woman, my beautiful lady. And she had long, uh, dark hair, uh, very wavy. She had this most gorgeous, brilliant eyes. 
and she would float around. And I remember so vividly the soles of her feet above me as she just floated around very uh, gently. And sometimes she she would come in and say, peek-a-boo. <laughs> and uh, it was just, I looked so forward to uh, seeing her every night. And so when I, I thought it was normal, I never had the urge to share that with anybody, not even my parents. It felt like, not that I was trying to keep it a secret, it just it felt so natural not to. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, when I got to be about between the age of seven or eight years old, somehow I realized that that was not normal. And I didn't want to be not normal. I wanted to be like uh, the other people and to be abandoned emotionally and that, and then feeling not normal. It just was too much for me. And I said, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Instantly the visits stopped. Mm. Now she looked like just, a. I didn't realize that she was an angel because she didn't have any wings. She just had this veil like outfit that she would float with. All right, so that was, uh, that was that. And through the years, I could feel something as I raised my kids and all that. I could feel that she, um, she was around, but I, I would say things, okay, I don't wanna deal with this uh, right now, but if you have a help, I'll accept it. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I would not verbalize it. And it was like that mental telepathic uh, communication. And then I was having a rough time with my parents uh, about 25 years ago. Uh, And I was very uh, frustrated, very uh, tired. And I was coming home from from school. I was taking classes then. I was coming home from school and it was about 9, 9.30. It was springtime. It was uh, sometime in April. And I was in that mode of feeling sorry for myself. And I'd say, well, I, I think I, I have angels, but I bet mine are not big because my work isn't important, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and so I got in, I drove into my driveway. And of course, I'm in the country. There are no lights unless you put them on. And my daughters had forgotten to leave the lights on for me. So I was struggling to look for my keys. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice that seemed to come out of everywhere, including inside of me. And it said, turn around so i'm turning i didn't know where to look and then i saw it right i uh my i have a garage on the property that's uh it's 24 by 40 and it's a double decker gambro roof on the right side and behind the the, uh, garage was this angel this big angel three size three times the size of the garage with stretched wings, one that went all the way to the north side of the property, the other one toward the the south, over covering the street, okay? And all I could say was, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then I- Were you frightened at all? Pardon? Were you frightened at all by just because- No, I was captivated. Yeah. No fear. And I, I kept saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I heard the voice again. Is this big enough for you? Oh, that's funny. Okay. So it was, I, I knew then that I, I, I was just being too, uh, too serious. <laughs> and, 
and finally found the key. I went inside and I, and I said, wait a minute, did I really see this? So I went back outside to look and it felt like this, it was made out of fluffy clouds with a, a gray enhanced on, uh, like on the wings part of the, uh, of, of the entity. And, uh, and then I, I also heard, my name is Naomi. I am the one that used to come and visit you as a child in Italy. I'm here to make you aware of the fact that you chose to do this work. And you have to know that the information doesn't come from you, it comes through you. You are just a, a channel, an instrument. All you have to do is trust and allow yourself to be utilized as such we will do the rest. And it was very pivotal for me because that's when I finally decided to, you know, okay, I'm gonna do this. They're gonna do the work, fine, I'll do it. And, and that's when I, I began to, to do the work. I, no classes or anything like that. That's, that's how it began for me. And it's interesting because then I would do journal and I, I felt like in my heart, I felt like, a, God, I, I wasted so much time. So when I would do journal, I would say, what else do I need to do to, for my, to enhance the journey, my journey uh, toward this uh, spirituality? And I knew that I was being serious about it. So one time they had me write on my journal, get a step stool. And it, it was so confusing to me. I, I said, the steps to a why? Because you, my dear, are going to be doing more and more of this as you progress. And the podium is just too tall for you, dear. I'm under five feet tall, right? <laughs> so again, with the humor, the humor is unbelievable and unexpected times. Yeah. So that was uh, that was interesting. Basically, I understood that I was just taking things too seriously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My Thank grandma you. was four eleven, and I'm five one, so we could, we're a bunch <laughs> of shorties ourselves. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, that's how I said. And then I started to do uh, sessions uh, with people. The, sometimes people would come in uh, and would call me because their their uh, pets had died, and they wanted to know if I could get in touch with them, how they were doing, and you know. So it started that way, and then I I started doing. Uh, on a on a regular basis with groups and and then of course 17 years ago um well that was two years ago uh this year actually will be 18 years that i would have had the group uh going and, and i've been encouraged to have it online uh but it doesn't feel right yet because right now what i'm i'm doing a lot of work with the uh, near death experience group i go facilitate the one here in Connecticut and other things. And I have a, a, a challenging time sometimes. So in my friends, sometimes I, it comes out of me say, okay, have a nice time, but just uh, just be uh, uh, be careful, you know, be, be safe. And uh, why, why are you seeing something? <laughs> right. So I have to be very, uh, very careful what I say to people because they think I'm reading them. Right. And yeah, I do um, and get I, spontaneous information sometimes, but not all the time. Right. Yeah. Now, I assume that this when you saw the giant angel that you'd already had 
at least one near death experience at that point. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, that's when I I uh, I uh, I was at a pond with the kids and my my ex husband and and some friends and uh, I was watching over the, uh, the the girls and they were young then and I. I slipped in the water and I never had learned to swim. So I slipped and I, I the harder I try to get out, the, the deeper I would go. And it was so painful the, as I was swallowing water, it was, the pain was unbearable. And all of a sudden I heard like a, a snap, somebody snapping a finger and the pain stopped. And, uh, you know, there, there's more, I don't know how much you want me to say about that. Yeah, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Okay. Was this, this was your first near-death experience? Because I know you said this, you had one. Yeah. I asked, I actually, after ta talking about, uh, thinking about this, uh, I asked one time, I asked Spirit, was the uh, situation with uh, my, uh, my sister dying and me seeing the angel afterwards visiting me for, for the next five years, was that a near-death near experience? I got in my, in my gut, yes. Mm -hmm. But because it's very difficult to, to truly explain what a near-death experience is, that's more, and I checked this uh, with some of the INS people, uh, they consider my first one with the angel and all, it was a life transforming experience mm. to be abandoned and then uh there's more to that story in the book but yeah. uh yeah so that that was a life transforming experience and it truly felt like that now the when i drowned at the lake that was my uh my first real one because i know that i i stopped breathing as i didn't feel any pain it was just this engulfed in this most amazing white light uh embracing me with the with just the unconditional love and as i was uh i was seeing these uh like pictures above my head like a slideshow <laughs> and i some of them they were clear but i couldn't understand why i was being shown them and as I was confused, then all of a sudden I would hear a snap again and clarity would come to my mind. So I was shown uh, previous lifetimes with my, my then husband and how he treated me. I, uh, I died at his hands many times. It wow. was a, a, the, more than just abusive situation. And I knew that this present situation was abusive, but it wasn't as bad as he then later got. So I was, uh, I was told that the, the situation was not, I felt that it wasn't going to get any better. And, but I was told also that you are never going to be alone. Just remember, we're here for you whenever you make whatever decision you feel you need to make. And I always remember that. And I, then uh, my friend, not my ex-husband, but my friend pulled me out of the water and, and I, I started coughing the water out and, and the kids were really upset that mommy was not, not doing well. But anyway, so I knew, instinctively, I knew that somehow from that near-death experience, I came out of it with this incredible focused strength, the strength that I would need for the, the change that I was going to make in my life, the divorce. 
Right. Okay. You know, I first time ever in my family, Italian family, you know, divorce and all that. Certainly didn't get any support from my my family. My the guilt trip came through. My my mother said she was going to have a heart attack if I went through the divorce. Didn't care that I was being abused. My father was gonna was blaming everything on Christopher Columbus for discovering America. <laughs> <laughs> this wouldn't have happened. It would not have happened if that. Anyway, so so that was and of course my brother who uh, is four years younger than me. He said to me that if I went through that, he would disown me. And it actually happened. Wow. Okay. Even uh, uh, even his children are not allowed to talk to me. To this the only day. one till today, yes. Uh, the only one that really supported me, interestingly enough, was my ex-husband's wonderful sister, older sister, Rosa. She she told me, says, uh, you you have to make that whatever decision uh, you have to make because you are living in this life for 24 hours a day. I know my brother, but I love him anyways. Just know that whatever decision you make, I will always love, love you. And she kept that promise uh, up until the time when she died of cancer. So yeah. that was that was not, not easy. And of course, my focus was also on wanting my children to know that that wasn't the way a man was supposed to treat a woman. Mm -hmm. I was very focused on that. Yeah. So that, that gave me the strength. Now, when you had this experience, did you understand what had happened to you when you woke up? Or what did you think? I thought that I almost died, but I didn't, I didn't know what it was called. And I learned later that this is considered a life review. Yeah. I didn't know it then. Mm hmm. And did you feel a lot of people talk about feeling their souls sort of pop out of of their bodies? And some talk about traveling down to a light. Some people talk about darkness. Um, do yeah. you have any recollection of what that actually that sensation was of okay. leaving your body? So once that snap happened and I the pain was gone. Yeah. No longer pain, even though I knew that there was water inside my body, no pain. I felt like I was engulfed by this wonderful, loving, bright white light. That's it. Oh, but it, yeah. I didn't go anywhere. It felt like I, it came to me or something like that. Right. Yeah. It was and all now, right there. I know that that must have, like you said, that really sort of was a wake up call, I think, in terms of your what you had to do going forward to protect mm -hmm. yourself. Um, so and I know that you've had other near death experiences. So let's talk about sort of the trajectory of what's happening in your life when you have your second one. Yeah, well, that was only in 2012. Uh, that was a uh, I, I call that chapter the miracle car crash because there's no way that I could have possibly, anybody could have possibly have lived through that. Not only did I live through that, but I had no broken bones. I got hit by an SUV and I had a small car. And uh, so it was, it was, that's why I call it a miracle. My car got totaled and I got hit on the, on the driver's side. By, by an SUV, right? And it, it was uh, it, it was incredible. So when I got hit, the car started spinning around, mm 
-hmm. And all of a sudden it felt like a vacuum, like somebody had vacuumed my soul out of my body. And I just automatically popped into this space. I can't call it a room. It was like an area, a, a space where the walls were made out of this incredible bright white light which brought me to the memory recall of when I drowned, that same kind of loving light. And so I was in this space, me here, and I was looking at this very ornate table or desk. And behind this uh, beautiful uh, table were nine entities. And the reason why I, know that there were nine was because I actually counted them. And they were wearing these uh, brown capes, dark brown capes. And I also knew instinctively that the reason why they were wearing those capes was because they were wanting me to distinguish the fact that there were nine of them. Otherwise it would have been this blob of white light now, there was no definition to their face. It was just this light coming out of the capes. And uh, I was so, uh, so serious. I was so em- emotional to the fact that, no, I am not going, I can't go yet. I have just too many things to do yet on the earth. Felt like I knew what those things were right then and there, but I, I didn't remember afterwards, but so it felt like the one in the middle, somehow I knew instinctively, I knew that he was the one that, that was the decision maker. And, and the others were just kind of holding me with this most incredible, what, loving, uh, unconditional love, but I was here and they were there, but I still, I felt embraced by, by them all. And uh, so when I say, no, I can't leave yet. All of a sudden I heard and felt, okay, zoom again, this vacuum uh, back into my, my spirit came back into the, uh, what was also interesting was as I, when I was up there, I could see the people uh, coming around to where the, the, the car had stopped and by the side of the road, I could actually read their minds, what they were thinking. Some were really just curious about another accident and others were, were very concerned about the person that was inside or whether she was still alive or not. And so when I, when I got back into the car, I, I could see the people that I was seeing from above. That's so cool. And that's not the first time I've heard that a Um, lot of people come out of it just when they're coming out have, and Randy is one of them who can, could read the thoughts of the people around, which is so interesting. It's like, you're, you're one foot on the other side, you're one foot, you're one parts, your spirit's still sort of in that realm and then yet halfway back in your body. So you can be in the two states at once, which is so fascinating. And I meant to ask you, in between the time from your first near-death experience until this one, were you exploring spirituality? Were you doing, were you in touch with the angels and the guides or were you sort of just living a normal life as a I was uh, busy being a, 
uh, a mother and uh, dealing with uh, abusive husband and all that uh, until I finally divorced them. When the kids were just uh, barely teenagers, that's when I finally decided to uh, get out of it um, because the abuse was was becoming uh, worse. And of course, I knew that it was going to because I remember the uh, when I drowned. Yeah, I was, I was told that. And and so I was just basically living a, a normal life. And I, I think I mentioned that sometimes uh, I would feel somebody around me uh, and it felt like it was the one that used to come and visit me as a child, my beautiful lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, but then I would say, no, no, I don't have time right now. I'm too busy doing uh, stuff. So, but if you can help me, do please. Yeah. So you it. understood that. that yeah. The role of angels, and you understood the concept. Kind of. of it's, I understood without even knowing why I understood. Right. And so, do you think, or do you know that the how many did you have altogether near-death experiences? Well, two real ones. And then, of course, the first one was... Uh, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, when I so was you a count child. That's right. Okay, so ob- it feels to me, and I, I don't know if this is if you say this in your book, that it was sort of them knocking back on your door and saying, hello, you're supposed to be doing this work, and do we need to remind you again? Uh, okay. And so that's why you were given another near-death experience. Yeah, I... Uh, I um... It was funny because uh, in my uh, humor, uh, sometimes I call those little nudges uh, spiritual two by fours. <laughs> and this one clearly was. This wasn't just a yeah. little incident. How was your physical state after this accident? It was interesting because even today, after all these years, I still feel the sensitivity on my uh, left side of my head because mm-hmm. I, I hit, you know, the the car, the, the SUV hit side of my car. But again, it's a miracle. I I should have I should have died. If you saw that the car, the condition of my car, you would think this person had uh, had to have died. And interestingly enough, I don't. I never knew who these entities were. Um, Years later, only like two years before I I actually finished uh, my book. I was by myself, my husband was uh, working at the time and uh, struggling to see what, you know, about sitting in front of the computer, trying to write, nothing was coming out. And I felt them, all nine of them coming in. And I heard them very gently. I heard them say, the book is gonna be very helpful to people that are considering suicide. Wow. So I'm saying to myself, okay, so what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah, nothing was coming up. And interestingly enough, that um, it wasn't until my ex-husband died that I couldn't stop writing. It was I was writing like a maniac. Yeah. And I actually want to ask you after this uh, car accident, then what happened in terms of spiritual activity with you did this was the, at that did you start to realize then that there was spiritual work for you to do how long did it take you to realize that this was something that was actually your purpose it was interesting because I was scheduled to uh, present at the uh, uh, friends of Ions in Virginia Beach mm-hmm. 
which um, is the International Association for well, Near Death Studies, in case yes. anyone doesn't know. Yes. Yeah, I just the international, yeah, the Friends of I, it's another uh, support group like the one we have here in Connecticut. Very nice people. But when I was supposed to uh, speak there, I only was gonna share uh, my first one as a child. And, and when I, when I, um, I drowned, this had not happened yet because it happened in January. And I was scheduled to speak in June or July. So I said, oh my goodness, I'm gonna speak there. I, I can't remember. I, I know that there's more detail that I need uh, to receive. So how do I do this? So I did some checking and spirit helped. And I went to see a hypno hypnotherapist that specifically does where it takes you back to either yeah. past lives or present lifetime situations. So I went through this uh, session, I went back to the day of the accident when my spirit popped out of my body and up there. And that's when I, I saw it very clearly, more information came through. And uh, of course I shared that at, uh, in Virginia Beach. Basically what I was, uh, I was being told uh, by them, which I don't know why I had forgotten that, was that I, um, of course, writing my book was very, very important, even though the book didn't get finished until two years ago, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and so um, I was told that it, it was very important for me to know that it didn't, it didn't matter whether people uh, accepted uh, my channeling. It was important for me to give the information as it came and not to judge myself just give it as it is and I, your uh, unconditional love you're loved unconditionally just enjoy one phrase that stays with me all the time and I, I share it sometimes with people that are all frustrated about things enjoy every breath you take yes and that kind of mellows people <laughs> yes I do want to know how because I'm a medium myself, I understand the communication between spirit and uh, and us humans. Some people can really hear audibly or see spirit with their naked eye. Yeah. People like me who had to train to learn to do it, it's all sensation. I feel spirit like they're here now. And I actually, you know, <laughs> like even when you were talking, I, you're talking about your, hus your ex-husband and I felt, I think it was him. And his sister, because I was like, I heard like, there's something like, it was one of these things where it's like apology. And I was like, not now, um, you know, and uh, I was like, get out of here. But oh, he came, it's in the book that he came after he died. Oh, he did. Yeah. I felt, I felt yeah. like yeah. him and I felt his, his sister. And then, um, and then, uh, but so for you, how did you even know what channeling was or how to channel or that you were channeling? Because I will say I had to learn this, right. I had to study to yeah. learn the difference between my own thoughts and thoughts from spirit. And now I'm getting so good at, like now I'm starting to get better and better where- Yeah, it's all I about know. practice basically, yes. Right, and did you, um, like, it, it's so interesting because it, for the first year of my studying, I had to, it was tricky. I, I wasn't get, you yeah. know, it takes a long time and only recently did it start to come easy, right? Where it was like, yeah. okay, I know what I know what that is. I immediately know that that's a spirit thing because it comes on a different, 
I don't know, sensation in my body. It feels different. So how did you sort of figure that out? Well, like I said, was uh, having that vision of the angel over the garage, Naomi, who used to come and visit me as a child, was very pivotal because that's when I finally accepted that I actually didn't have to be responsible to so just, just be the, the instrument, the channel that I am, and they will do the rest. That made me yeah. feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just uh, um, being available for that, committing to that. They told me, uh, she had told me that I, that was part of my contract. I had written that into my contract that besides all the other things that I was supposed to experience in this lifetime, this being an instrument for spirit to channel, uh, do healing energy uh, is part of what I wrote into my contract. So right. it felt right in the gut. And I, when I do uh, sessions, I see, I hear, I feel. So all the three modalities. And, and when I say I see, I see much clearer when I close my eyes because the third eye takes over. Yeah. Okay. Same. So I, I've gotten to the point where I can now give readings with open eyes, but sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm really in it, I'll just, it, it puts you more with spirit and always tell people yeah. it's, I'm not ignoring you. I just want to be connecting with spirit and not looking at your reactions. Yes. Um, so you, and then when you do healing, um, what types of, who comes to you? Uh, I mean, what types of issues I would say, uh, I would prefer to say, um, are people coming to you to have healed? Are they physical, emotional, all of the well, above? They don't necessarily come to me for healing, but as I do the sessions, you know, I hear that they they are in need of that. So oh, yeah. uh, they use, I know that I'm being used, my hands are being used to do the healing. And many times they have me use a, uh, my Tibetan bowl. I have one Tibetan bowl that, I, you know, vibrational healing. Yeah. So that works. Too. And that actually tells me, uh, some stuck energy in the body because it sounds different. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And I've also had people call me to, to do uh, spirit detachment in their homes and all that. So, right. And it's actually a, about, about that while we're talking about it, cause I like to let the conversation flow organically. Um, yeah. I would love to hear your perspective on attachments in homes and why that happens. Um, okay. Yeah. My understanding of that is that um, uh, people that die, some people that die, they're so afraid of being judged by God of whatever they think that they, they might have done and all that. So they're, they see the light, but they're afraid to go to it. So in order to survive, they uh, either attach it to a piece of furniture or another person. And the reason they're able to attached to uh, other people is because they they look for vulnerability okay like for example bars are a good place to yeah. to find vulnerable people drinkers and you know things like that so because their energy yes, vibration is can be lower Pardon? their energy vibration can be lower in yes when someone's in a darker place or even yeah. just inebriated yeah uh, vulnerability is what they look for and uh, and I've I worked with Archangel Michael too because he's the greatest uh, one uh, counselor to convince uh, people that they're not good where they are they're not good to the person who's uh, 
who's in the process of living their lives and they're not good for themselves because they haven't gone to the light and they haven't done their life review. They haven't gone to the light to cleanse themselves and decide what it is that they want to do next. And if only they knew that it's not a, that it's a loving process. Yes. It's not, it's not going to be bad. You're not going to be punished. Yeah. But That's, because of yeah. possibly, you know, religious beliefs, so they're thinking that they're going to be punished. So they get stuck there. And that's right. why I don't have the clarity of going, you know, proceeding. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I never, my whole life, I never believed in angels. I thought that they were just these, I thought that just old ladies had little angel tchotchkes and that it was all sort of like fairy tales and, you know, that sort of thing. And then I changed my mind. Funny enough, I changed my mind because Monica, the medium, who's one of my teachers, um, I love her. She did a podcast episode about her friend B. Um, and I list, I was like, oh, I don't want to hear this one because I don't, I'm not interested in angels. And mm. then I listened to B speak. B is now a friend of mine. And I said, actually, this checks out with my whole paradigm. Actually, everything she's saying makes a lot of sense. And I actually set up a meeting with her and, um, and she did an angel reading for me. And I thought, wow, this is so interesting. So I've started incorporating, and I'll, this is where I'm going to lead to a question for you. Yeah. I've started incorporating angels into my prayers. When I do readings, I call in Archangel Michael for protection. Yeah. And so the other day, as I'm, I'm having delved deep into the world, and Susan Giesman created, I did a video about she said, just call in Michael. It doesn't have to be because you're in peril. You can just yeah. be sort of feeling a little meh and or whatever just maybe you need a little pick me up or you just need to connect with him so I did I was having a low day and I don't usually have them at all I'd gotten over COVID so I had low energy and some people had written some rude things about this comment and I won't even give them more attention than that but uh and I just started to feel like why are you you know, raining on my per why are you trying to be mean when all I'm trying to do is spread love and light so I said Archangel Michael come on in. And Susan, Suzanne said, the ways that you'll know that he's received your, whatever your prayer, your communication is, she said the next day, you might start to hear his name repeated. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to Randy, our mutual friend on the, we were chatting the next day on the so phone great. for a while. And Randy was telling me, I had Randy on my last episode for any of Yes, who Randy Schieffer, and he's telling. I said, "Well, I went to school to become a forensic. I wanted to be a forensic pathologist, so yeah. I started out." And he said, "He so he was telling me all these great stories about his time doing that." So he tells yeah. me this story about this little boy that he helped, and I said, "And all I could who was abused." And I said, "But is the baby okay?" That's all I could think of through the whole story. Is but the little baby he was abused. He said his father called me, and you know what he said? He said. Michael is doing so well and Michael doesn't even remember the abuse and Michael, he said it three times in a row. Like normally you would say, mm -hmm. Michael's fine. He did this. And then he did this, but for whatever reason, Randy chose the wording of Michael, Michael, Michael in the same sentence. Trilogy, and I just, right? <laughs> I laughed and I said, Randy, you don't even, <laughs> you gotta listen to this. <laughs> so I would love to know from you, uh, sort of for people who aren't familiar with are, what is the difference? I know this, but what are the diff what's the difference between a spirit guide, an angel, and an archangel? Okay. So um, spirit guides could be people that, that have uh, 
been in your life and have passed on or from previous lifetimes where there's a contract between uh, both parties to be of service that way, okay? Angels have, it's an hierarchy. Uh, they have, and I, actually, when I say angels or archangels, I don't believe that has anything to do with religions, mm -hmm. okay? It's just, it's for lack of better words, basically. I mean, some people might call them entities somehow you know ets whatever but they they do exist to do their uh, their chosen uh, jobs positions right so and i actually put it in my book in one of the chapters i started it with uh, the spirit told me that all religions are valid mm -hmm. on the earth because their purpose is to connect people with those that they need to connect with to form relationships, friendships, or whatever, period. Yep, that makes sense to me. Okay. So you have, oh, oh sorry, I didn't want to interrupt your train of no, thought. No, no, it's, it, there is no religion on the other side because there's no need of religion right. on the other side. Yes, and that's funny enough, one of the nasty comments I got was from someone who doesn't like that idea at all. And uh, who, who there is one religion and that's it. And, you know, and this is blasphemy and okay. Well, and so um, you have, so you've got your spirit guides and what's their role in your life? They are, my belief is that there's, if they're specialized in a certain uh, need in your life that you, some of your contracted experiences that you have on different stages of your life and they can they can help you with that um, when my after my parents died they 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 told me that they are willing to help me but I would have to ask them to help and if there's something that they cannot do they know who to go to that has the experience or the, or the power to help me with that. Right. So you've got spirit guides and then you have angels. And who yes. are angels? The archangels, in my mind, they have their specialty. Like, for example, Archangel Raphael, he's the uh, the ultimate healer, healer, uh, providing healing energy of all kinds. Again, not in a religious way. Yeah. Right. And how can people, and this is something I sometimes even forget that, and I've told my own friends this, and then I forget to do it. When you're having a struggle, guess what? All you have to do is ask your spirit guides for help. And because they can't now, from what I understand, and this is what I'm going to have you explain is uh, they won't intervene unless you ask them to. Can't, they cannot interfere. It's right. a spiritual uh, law. We have free will. Yes, we have free will. We can struggle or we can have it easier with their help. Right. And how I know, I mean, I just talk to them, but do you, how, how do you tell people to call on your angels and, and, and communicate with them? Just, just as if you're, you're calling a friend. Yeah. That's hey, what I do. Raphael, I, please help me with this uh, situation. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I talk to them almost every morning. I say, good morning, angels and spirit guides, loved yeah. ones and spirit, ascended but masters, God, whoever's in my team. Because there is no time on the other side, 
Yeah. Sometimes we expect when we ask for something, we expect the instant gratification. Uh It doesn't always work that way. They know better when the timing is right. Right. And also tell me if you agree with this. Some things I think just aren't in your highest and best good. So there have been times in my life, I'll take relationships, which people can relate with, um, where I was like, but I want to date that person. And (laughs) that's the person I want to be with. But the problem with that is, first of all, you don't know what that would actually be. What are you really asking for? Um, You know, it's it's, instead of saying, I want to be with that particular person, you could find out that person is a sociopath, you know, and behind closed doors or whatever. But it's better to kind of focus on what does that person make you feel like? And let's manifest feeling loved and seen and um, attracted and all those things. But I think I'd love to know what you say about that too, just in terms of, yes, I can ask my spirit guides for help, but if I'm not meant to go down this path for some reason Mm -hmm. or another, they're not just going to give you everything you ask for. No, uh, it, it's interesting because sometimes people come to me and they'll, after they're finished with the session, they'll say, God, Tina, I didn't get what I wanted, but I feel like I received what I needed. Like you need it. Uh-huh. Okay. And also we have to remember that we have contracts with certain people at different times. Like in the case of my present husband, Michael, we've been married 13 years now. I learned from his brother that had died four months before we met that he was the conduit through which we we were nudged by him to be at that place at at a certain time so we could meet and we both felt like we knew each other but we knew that we'd never met on this in this lifetime and I learned later through channeling his brother Paul that uh, we had known each other 111 lifetimes and in different permutations. And this uh, lifetime was supposed to be just enjoying the fruits of our labor. How interesting that it was 111 as your number that of, of mm-hmm. times. That's yeah. so interesting too. I'd love to also kind of delve into what you think about, what you know about um, those connections that we have, because I know there, and also do you, do you, is there such a thing as twin flames or is it just soul people, soul families? that you're connected with from other lifetimes? I'm not sure how I feel about twin flames and twin flames doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to have uh, have a romantic uh, relationship. It could be someone that you just feel so close uh, with uh, as a friend or, you know, all that. But uh, what was the other question? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what, yeah, just sort of what do you know about... um, yeah, some people believe in twin flames, and I'm still sort of on the fence about whether I think that's exactly a thing, but I do know from, I do know and understand, and I'd love to hear you elaborate about having had other lifetimes with a certain soul group or soul family, and yes. often these characters come back I to do teach believe, us lessons. Uh, because yeah. I've seen it many times where uh, there are there's such a thing as soul families that, that travel together and they work together in different permutations they play different roles with each other in different lifetimes uh for example what i saw very clearly in that channel uh with his uh when his brother came through i actually saw a lifetime with uh, my husband michael where we were brothers in uh 
in the countryside, beautiful countryside in France in the 1700s. And the, his mom, who's no longer on the earth, but she was our mother then. And we were so close with it. We protected each other. That yeah. was only one lifetime that I saw with, the, with each other. I think that's so interesting because I, I also agree that I don't think that everyone has one soulmate, you know, romantically, right? And I also don't think soulmates are always your romantic partner. Um, and I also think there are people that are your romantic partner for the time to teach you something. Yes. They're your teachers. And I had someone like that that was in my life for 10, 15 years. And it was this very addictive relationship that was very unhealthy. And um, we're friends now. And so we've talked about this openly where I said, I mean, I would never we would never date again. That's not, not even interested in that, but he shattered. I mean, he's the person that made me realize I was an addict that I, I didn't have healthy boundaries or healthy so this, intimacy. This is the service that he provided for yes. you. Yes. And at the time I just was like, I have to be with him. I, he's, I'm in love with him. And now I see him as now that we can, now that I've come off that, uh, I've gone through recovery, I can see that, oh no, our dark sides were attracted to each other, but we really helped each other grow. In fact, he's in recovery too now. And we're both took, you know, him like 10 years past me to do it, but we were there as mirrors for each other to shake each other up and say, we need, this is a problem. And so I think it's really interesting how sometimes they're not the person you're meant to marry. They're just a mirror for you. Yeah. They're, they're the, uh, uh, the experience required for your next stage of your journey. Yes. And uh, so after your second, uh, yeah, well, your third, technically, your tech, uh, NDE, I know that you're, you've sort of answered this, but at what point did you, I don't want to say realize or, or start developing your uh, psychic mediumship ability as opposed to just communicating with well, angels? I, I, I do believe that the uh, the um, the visit from uh, the angel, the angel yeah. Naomi over the garage, really did it. But after my third, uh, when I died at the car crash, there, um, that was everything got enhanced. Yes, that's even what, that my, was my dreams question. were so vivid and clear. Um, and information like the, the one thing that bothered me was I couldn't I could not stand ex, uh, like loud uh, uh, people that spoke too loud loudly mm -hmm. or or bright lights I could not take that in in physicality right it was like it was a little bit too much for me because I just came from there and and it, it, we're we're never the same uh, once we uh, we have a near death experience. We're not. We're just not because there are, uh, we're just we go to the light and then we come back to the earth without going through the process of being reborn as a child and all that. How could anybody expect to feel the same? And one thing that I really uh, like about the I the International Association of Near Death Studies is that they have a, a um, if you go through their website, they have different uh, experiencers uh, and they also have a, a printout on what to take with you when, if you decide to go see a, a mental health expert, psychiatrist, psychologist, if you feel that you can't deal with, uh, with your near death experience. Mm -hmm. 
because the mental health department or whatever, they do not teach the experts how to deal with us. It's the worst thing that could happen to one of us uh, near-death experiencer is to be told, oh, that was just in your imagination. Absolutely. In fact, my friend Charlie, who listens to this podcast, hi, Charlie, um, he is, he's a therapist, but this is what his focus is now. And he's going to be, I think you might know Charlie Bannon, but, um, and this is now his life's work is uh, helping near-death experiencers process, acclimate, um, and, and just, and really also just to be a support system because yeah. so many doctors will say, oh, that was in your mind. Some yeah. know, some know, and I think a lot do understand. But it's, that. yes, some know by, from experience and, and their need to know more, but it's not taught in, yep. in school, which is, uh, it's sad. But uh, with all the, uh, you know, with IANs being so popular now, so well-known, and they have uh, uh, people that do all kinds of research, it's changing. Yeah, which is so wonderful. And also, I don't know the number. You might know how many people at this point have reported their near-death experiences. It's thousands upon thousands of people. And and there's so many people that haven't even reported it because of it's, their it's religion or, yeah. yeah, and it is. And it's independent of yeah. religion, culture, geography. Um, and in fact, the Indian culture, you know, in Hinduism, it's something that's always just been accepted yeah. and part of their their culture and religion that, oh yeah, it's just reincarnation is something that you, you know, from yeah. the time you're a child. One of the things that I've come back with, especially after my, my third one is that I just cannot take chit chat. Mm -hmm. I just sit at tables with uh, even family members and listen to their chit chat and twiddle my finger and thinking, when is this going to be over? And because once you go out there, how could you possibly think of not having deep conversation? That's I why know. it's so important to have groups, support groups. And this is why I dedicated my life to, uh, to co-facilitate this group here in Connecticut, which was the original uh, group done by uh, some in incredible uh, doctors that they felt the need to create this group. And then, of course, it exploded uh, everywhere. But that's and what's your group called again? It's, uh, it's uh, the website is uh, uh, CT, no, NDEConnecticut.org. Wonderful. Yeah. And I just wanted to say too to the listeners that IANS and I assume, I don't know, but I'm assuming your group, you don't have to be a near-death experiencer to be on the mailing list, attend events, no. listen to lectures. We, I mean, I say we, I'm not, you know, a near-death experiencer myself, no. but I've been told, and I know that I attend and I participate in a lot of the IONS activities. Um, it's really like the whole point is to get the word out to everyone. We're all souls. And, um, Every, anyone is welcome so anyone can feel yes, free to... it's open to anybody and it's interesting because yeah. some of our, our members of our group we have hundreds uh, uh, participating and getting uh, their the emails of the speaker and I actually book the speakers uh, depending on what I feel the need is uh, what the membership requires uh, at the time 
um, it, it's it's very interesting because a lot of them are just they're curious. They yeah. haven't had a near death, but they attend religiously these groups, yeah. and they, uh, in a kind of a funny way, they call themselves NDE wannabe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's so funny because I I would classify myself as one. That's why I ended up doing this podcast. But at the same time, I know the joke is, it's not really a joke, but people will say, oh, I wish I had a near-death experience. But really, you all say, no, you don't. You know, there are other ways to connect with spirit without mm-hmm. having to actually, first of all, be in a traumatic accident. A lot of people end up with PTSD, but also acclimating can be very painful and very difficult yeah. for some. And not every, I'm sh- I don't know that I can't speak for everyone, but I know that coming back into that dense energy as you said, is very hard and seeing all the horrible things and the ways that people treat one another after you've been in this state of pure bliss. And I will say that even since I started to do mediumship actively, like on a weekly basis, all the time meditating, I've stopped watching TV because I actually cannot handle, I used to be a true crime drunk junkie. I used to watch nothing but 48 hours, Dateline, give me all the murder shows. I actually have I can watch like the first 48 which isn't that I have I literally can't listen to things that are too dark I don't want to watch tv I don't watch the news at all I'm sorry I just don't um I don't want to see the news I don't want to see anything because it affects me in such a different way just from spending even just not having had a near-death experience spending time with spirit every day I meditate and spend time with them every day and uh I cannot I also find myself not, obviously, I know we're not coming from a judgy place, but just finding myself bored by like having trouble focusing on surface conversations or, you know, things that I used to be invested in. I'm like, I just, I don't mean to say like, oh, I'm so enlightened, but it's just a different mindset where it's harder to relate with, um, with people, unless it's a deep connection. And I think, I think you might agree that just even doing this podcast for me has given me such a sense of love, community, purpose. I don't have loneliness. I don't feel loneliness, even though I just moved across the country. I feel like we are so, when we have conversations, you, me, Randy, we've met for five minutes and already we are. The connection is a, is a very deep. Yes. I I know. And I've, I've gotten to know a, a few uh, researchers that have not had an NDE, but they feel drawn to researching and talking with people that have had near-death experience and and videotaping them. They have told me that their lives have changed so drastically just by communicating with the uh, with us. Yes, I feel the same, and and my whole sense of um, support system and love and friendship and deep deep connections has expanded tenfold, which I've, I've always been a connector, but now it's really grown. And I love that about the community. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you too, there is something I want people to check out, which is on your website, which is a channeled message from angels about what's happening now in our world. But I love to hear too, as we speak now about what is going on right now, you know, in this world, uh, in the last I have five, six, whatever years, it's been a lot of upheaval, a lot of chaos, a lot of division. And, um, and I've started to look at it as 
we need to, sometimes you need to break everything down to build something better. And that we're all sort of having to really confront a lot of better selves. I would love to hear your perspective on what's, what you think is really going on or anything you'd like people to know at all. Yeah. My guides, uh, because life is complicated enough. Yes. They want me, they want me to use the kiss method, which is keep it simple, sweetie. (laughs) I like that you changed it to sweetie. That's much nicer (laughs) and kinder. Uh Uh-huh. And, and so it's, it's very, once you ask the question of a simple question of what is the lesson in this for me, not what is the lesson in all of us, because you can't control others. People will grow at their own speed and who are we to judge, right? But if everybody concentrated on themselves, personal selves, we wouldn't be needing anyone else, right? And, and also, but there is such a thing as the communal reality, which, you know, certain things we get energetically, we get attached to others' experience. And, and so we have to be aware of that. But basically is that once we get the lesson of the idea of not feeling like running around, like sometimes I visualize the chickens without their, their head, with the head cut off, just running around, running around and doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's it, my uh, message there on my website, uh, what the angel said after uh, with this COVID situation, which is still valid today after two years that it was uh, brought to me, was to just enjoy the little things in life. Just learn to enjoy the little things in life. But haven't you noticed also how some people are beginning to do that? like even just being able to hug somebody and really appreciating it for that, for that sharing of energy with each other. We would have known that if we hadn't known we were missing it. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of people, formerly cynical people in my life who've become, I don't want to say spiritual, but more gratitude centered. Yeah. And the attitude of gratitude is so important to, to practice. Yeah. And I think it does. It's made me so I moved out here to Virginia because my parents are here. It just made me want to be with them while I still have the time. Mm-hmm. It was like, I just, I, I wanted to come back to the East coast, but it was like, you know, my parents are 74 and 80 and this, I don't, I, I just don't want to miss any more time with them. Um, and, and just being with them brings me so much excitement and joy. Whereas before yeah. it was like, I lived in LA and everything was about the career and the next thing and the next project. And now it's like just being with my parents is everything to me. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. And look at, look at what it just uh, going back to the, uh, the uh, 9-11 with uh, in New York, you know, the, uh, with the towers uh, coming down that way, all those thousands of people that I had been in New York prior to that. And the energy felt just too fast for me. It was so much tension. And, and I, I went back again uh, with my husband after the tower when, when they hadn't even built the, uh, you know, the memorial. But just, and I, I walked in the street and I said, my God, the energy is not the same. Yeah. And what I visualized is that a lot of the people that have died in that, in that 
those buildings going down, they came back, they came back already uh, quickly to those people that they, they stopped and figured, hey, maybe it's not about making tons of money and, and just uh, losing life and not having the opportunity to experience what family is like. So the, there are a lot of people that were just concentrating on work, work, work. They, they uh, decided to have families and a lot of those souls that had died, those people that had died were being, uh, were born into these uh, people that have finally decided that what the important thing was for them. I saw that vision very clearly. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Um, as a not, you know, as a message, I think, mm-hmm. you know, when we're faced with adversity and yeah. terror and things like that, that it does make us hold on to one another tighter and uh, show and we all kind of come out of ourselves and say, how can I help? How can I be of service? And mm-hmm. that's what I've seen now, which is beautiful. There's a lot of division, but there's also a lot more people saying, how can I help? Which is amazing. And what would you say from your experience? <laughs> big question answer it however you want to what would you say is the meaning of life on <laughs> earth you know in these bodies on this earth I've never asked that question before but I felt compelled to ask it of you it, it was funny because my uh, I have four granddaughters the youngest one is uh was was about ready to turn 15 but before that she was you know when she was 14 I said I know that you know what I do is do you have questions for me and he says, okay, let me think. Yes, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's great. That's adorable. So I took a big breath and I, and I said, okay. So I think what came out of me then was that just, that, just to enjoy life, slow down, just enjoy every breath that you take and, uh, and do not worry about anything. Just trust the process. And I kind of was proud of myself for responding like that to a 14-year-old because, you know, I couldn't get too deep into it, I felt. But then she went on by asking, and and what about uh, past lives? Is that real? Does it really happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, one thing led to another. So it's interesting how the, uh, the new batch of uh, crystal children on, on the earth, uh, how they, they really very highly developed and they know exactly what's going on yeah they i know that's so need great. to be helped they need to be helped uh, in uh, in helping they need to be helped in helping us basically yes and you've you've pretty much answered this question but i'll just give you another opportunity to say if there's one thing you want people to know what would that be to trust the process follow your gut the gut the intuition the gut that's where the all the information comes in from is in your gut the solar plexus that's where all the answers are trust that do not second guess yourself i like that in fact, I'm getting, um, I, I've never had a tattoo in my life. Oh, I always felt my, I was just too, too precious about my own skin. And um, I never wanted to do it. But now I decided that as part of my letting go of the physical and just 
embracing that I'm just mm -hmm. a soul. This is just my my uh, sartorial envelope, as Tom Robbins, the writer, once said. Uh, I'm getting trust tattooed right here because oh, it I is the only that's be because of what you just said. That's trust. just it in every situation, in every situation that there is, and especially in my mediumship now, I just want to remind myself whenever I'm afraid, anxious, worried, um, and in my mediumship readings, I get nervous every time. What if it doesn't happen? What if I do, don't do a good reading? What if they don't, what if I'm just off? I just, the minute I just say, I, tr I actually start yes. off all my readings saying, I trust you, spirit. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And share that when you get it. I love to see it. I will for sure. Uh, it, oh, yeah, it's interesting because I, I um, years ago, I did an exchange with a friend of mine who also uh, channeled and uh, I, uh, I asked something. I don't even remember what it was that I asked. And I said, uh, yeah, it's easy. I'll, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, dear one, you will see it when you believe it. Yes. My favorite, one of my quotes that I always say is, which isn't mine. I forget who, I don't know who said it originally, but it's um, what you believe is what you will see. Yeah. It's and the it's law just, of attraction. It's the law of attraction, which I'm really yes. into. So yes. Oh my gosh. I thank you so much, Tina, for sharing your insight, your wisdom, even just, I just, it, it's even just nice to hear about your life experience um, and how much you've been through and what a beautiful soul you are. Uh, and I will be putting your website link below, but is there anything else you'd like to share about anything well, you're offering services? Project. Uh, of course, when it's uh, when the weather is nice and there's no snow on the ground, the uh, the labyrinth is always open to anybody that's that wants to come over. It's uh, it's open to everyone. And I'm going. Okay, so it's on on, on my website, and also it's under the uh, National Labyrinth Society, where you can find the address and everything. So that's that, and um, I just. I am very, very committed to the, our group, our Connecticut group, uh, the uh, near-death experience group out of Yukon, which now is only on, um, you know, Google Meet, we do with uh, the meeting. And that can be, those meetings uh, can be, uh, anybody can participate and their way to connect, the link is on our website. It's always the, the second day, second Monday of every month, once a month. I'm so interested in that. I'm a Connecticut native for anyone who doesn't okay. know. Yeah. And now yeah. that I'm in Virginia, I go up there a lot. So I'm excited yeah, the, about the that. Speakers, uh, the speakers, we, uh, we um, videotape the speakers so they can be seen oh, any time of, of uh, any time that after we post them. And the other thing too about my, uh, my book is because uh, I did self-publishing, it can only be purchased from me through the, my website. But because uh, I... Uh, I was getting requests from it uh, from outside of the U.S. and the shipping is so it's more expensive than what the book. So Michael and I decided to work on uh, on doing an ebook. Yeah, and so uh, I think the way to get the book as an ebook is also on my website. Fantastic! Thank you so much for showing up today and for sharing your time, energy, insight, and warmth. It just really means the world to me. And I know it does to our listeners too. 
Well, uh, uh, Shannon, I am so grateful that you you did this, and I I um, please stay in touch. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to come to that labyrinth. I'm serious because I Wonderful. go up to Connecticut frequently. So, uh, so you. lovely to have met you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You take care now. Pleasure. You Bye. too. <laughs> Bye.